0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 103 of the Cleveland Moto Podcast. Um, I know last week in our podcast we talked about one of our listeners was complaining that he had to wait too long for episodes So Dustin (laughs) dropped two of them today. So you guys got a double header last week. Have fun, buddy. Yeah, (laughs) have fun, buddy. Too fast.
1: Also, we had we had a comment that they thought our podcast was a little too quiet, so I bumped us up six decibels.
0: Oh, you did? I listened to. um, I was kind
1: of against my judgment because I'm not part of the loudness wars. I like the proper sound level wars as an engineer. But what I can tell you is, we
0: listened to 101 and 102 today at the shop, Mm -hmm. and we listened to them through the shop speakers. And they did they both sounded very good. So both podcasts did sound very nice.
1: I kicked them up beyond where I'm normally comfortable, yeah. but if that's hey. gonna be if that's gonna be an issue, if we're being quieter than other podcasts, then you know right. I guess
0: And we're know, continuing to get loved from in people. Rome. Yeah. <laughs> and we're people are still, you know, commenting how much they love the podcast. So that's great. So we'll do a roll call in the room. Uh, to my left, Johnny Crumb. Hello, hello. Straight ahead is Steve Hoffert. Hi all. In his usual looking incredibly comfortable reclining uh, <laughs> camp chair is Chris Smith. I'm
2: incredibly comfortable.
0: You look incredibly comfortable. It's and then, better. Yeah, and Dustin's in his uh, camp chair. Yep, I so am. So we're, uh, we're ready to Chris go. I stole Chris's own camp chair. So. <clears throat> oh, is that the deal? Yeah,
1: he, he has to bring his own now.
0: <clears throat> there you go. Need to know more. He didn't want the house chair. He wanted kind
1: of took the house chair over. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, good. Good. it's your house. <laughs> it's your house. Your chair.
0: Right? <laughs> his rules. Right. And uh, the one thing that I did want to talk about <clears throat> real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast is we've had uh, we've had some of the listeners that are uh, visiting by stopping by the shop, which is That's really funny. neat. Like I can't tell you how happy we are when somebody comes in and goes, "I'm just stopping by because I listen to the podcast and wanted to check it out and see what it's all about." Nice. So it's really cool when they come in and they um, they always do. They always refer back to like their favorite mm-hmm. segment or you know whatever's going on.
1: I like the comments where people are like, "I wish I lived closer to Cleveland because I'd love to come visit yeah, the shop." That's really no, that's neat. They, neat.
0: They want to shop. They want to hang out. In the podcast, and we do want to remind people:
3: there's no excuse
0: if you we've are got
3: visitors from Mexico and right. from Australia.
0: That's true. That's right. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah, and we've got Alaska, had Alaska right. Mexico, and Australia so, special guests. No excuse here in the garage. <laughs> no excuses. Um, but if you are going to be in Cleveland on a Friday, you do want to come and check us out. We do tend to record it around nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night. So uh, we do. You know, we're, we're around. And if you are listening to the podcast at home, and it happens to be 9 at 10 o'clock at night Eastern Standard Time, hey, give us a jingle. Um, I will we tell, don't do
3: this live. Right, right.
0: <laughs> you know, no, Here I mean, it, the Just point open is... open
3: up the floodgates
2: there. Well, huh?
0: and here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to give you my number. So,
3: um,
2: 1-900.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's only $12 a minute. And we'll only keep you on hold until caller number 23 opens mm-hmm. up. So the, the number is 440 258 3358. 440 258 3358. And if you, call that, um, if you call that number 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at Dustin's night on a Friday, Eastern standard, standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. United States. Right then uh, there's a real good chance...
2: <laughs> we need to do a jingle for that.
0: You'll be on... No, well, we can oh, work oh, on a jingle. Oh. All right.
2: Garfield <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah>. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 2, three. two three. <laughs>
0: Squirrel! Well, and 258-3358 three, three, has a nice ring to it anyway, but that's been my cell phone number two for five, over eight. 20 years. Yeah, it's the same, so. that's
2: same, same thing.
0: 258-3358. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just gave your I'm cell real... phone number to the internet.
0: I know, and it's fine. Uh, I've done it before, actually, so... <laughs> The, uh, it's not the first time. And I'm actually sure that if you type in like POC Phil's cell phone number on Google, I'm sure it comes up because for years I've been giving people my cell phone number and it's okay. We're not too, we're not too worried about that. But, uh, so that's really neat that we're getting some feedback from you guys. And we do, uh, we do welcome as much participation as you want to get involved with, uh, whether it's stopping by in person or meeting us at Porco for a cocktail. Um, we'd always love to see you guys out the, uh, the big fun, that I wanted to talk about before we get into the, the topic, the homework I gave everybody, which was what is your absolute most favorite or what you believe to be the most beautiful or just the bike of your dreams? And then what is your absolute I hate this motorcycle and everything it stands for thing? That's our homework for tonight, so we're going to have our podcast listeners a chance to think about that for mm-hmm. a second um, so they can kind of get ready to yell at their radios about how <laughs> wrong we are. And But I wanted to talk briefly you know, we mentioned the BMW motorcycles and the touring on the more modern, cool bikes uh, that are capable. And modern bikes, in a lot of ways, are like modern cars. They have lights that tell you to do things, and they have a service icon, <laughs> maybe, that lights up and tells you that you need to take care of some maintenance. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff on these bikes. I got a question for just the guys here. We represent an interesting cross section of the motorcycle community. Schlitz beer. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: Well, you
0: really are. Wow, wow.
1: <laughs> I, I hate drinking a beer that tells you how your time in the toilet the next
0: day is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> what, oh, was the, really what was bad. the company that Laverne and Shirley worked for? Schatz? Schatz. Shots. Shots. Yeah. I always think of Schatz beer when I see Schlitz. Probably the not an accident.
2: made Milwaukee
0: <laughs> <laughs> It is Schlitz. The rest um. of us are drinking uh, dark and stormies because it is dark and stormy out. Um, it is 62 degrees, according to my... Vespa thermometer on the way over here in the rain, and it's a good solid rain. And, uh, Man. you know, two, three days ago it was 92 degrees or 95 degrees, and we were all dying. And now it's 62 degrees. You are officially in Ohio. That's right. It's Cleveland. Uh, oh, it's
1: great riding weather.
0: Though. This is great. I mean, without the <clears throat> rain, this morning when I rode to work, <laughs> I had the privilege of riding a customer's uh, V7 racer into work today. And so I got to do, you know, about 60 miles of 85 miles an hour on that racer and it's just oh man uh it was 74 degrees the perfect temperature for like all all the proper riding gear you know the wind pressure is up against your chest it's holding you off the bars you're doing 80 85 miles an hour you're filtering through traffic it was just a beautiful day to be alive uh and it was one of those days where you just cover a lot of distance real fast for some reason just time just goes by and it was fun So, here's a question for you. Now, I don't know what particular modern type motorcycle anybody in the listening audience might be riding. But let's just say for the sake of an argument that somewhere on the dashboard of that motorcycle is a light. And it's a light that illuminates when there's a problem. It's not a light that illuminates when there's, you know, a cautionary statement like it could be cold out. Or you might have, you know, low fuel. How about a light that is red? How about a light that might be red with a big fucking triangle in it? Or maybe an exclamation point in it? <laughs> or, a my, or maybe a finger, right?
1: <laughs> I, so, I figured my one out. It was the oil pressure light.
0: Right. Now, when we'll I, talk...
1: Oil temperature light when it was overheating in traffic. Right.
0: And we're, we're going to talk about those kind of lights, too. Yeah. So, here's the question. <clears throat> now, mm. if you know your motorcycle is, let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, a little cold-blooded, And you start that bike, and maybe the oil pressure light doesn't go out for a few seconds after you start it. You know it's waiting to build up pressure up there in the head. And you know that your motorcycle has a tendency to do that. That's one thing. You know, that might be a red light, but you've learned through your experience of owning the motorcycle that once it gets up to operating temperature, or maybe five seconds after the motor started, that low oil pressure light goes away. That's okay, right? And maybe you might even be so in touch with your machine that you learn that When you're pulling up to a red light and you're decelerating and you're just letting the motor coast down, your oil pressure light might come on momentarily as you're going down to idle. If, say, your bike's half a quart low on oil and you've learned that that red light, when that red light comes on, you (coughs) need to check your dipstick because you're probably going to be half a quart low on oil. First of all, I'd like to call attention to the fact that, holy shit, that's amazing that that sensor works that well, that it can predict, and it can only go off when you're a half a quart low of oil. What a well-engineered light that is.
1: I know that on my CB350 when yeah. it doesn't leave a spot of oil under it.
0: <laughs> but it's time I'm to like, put in oh, more oil. Oh
1: shit, there's no spot of oil here. Ooh. It needs oil. It yeah. needs oil. Yeah. It so needs about a half a quart.
0: So there's lights we know about. There's lights we acknowledge that we have learned as the owner or the operator of this motorcycle means certain things, and they're not necessarily critical. Now, here's my question to you, the motorcycle owners. If you're running down the road, and you have a red light that suddenly comes on in the dashboard that is not part of your normal operation, how do you react to that, John? The motor's still running, by the way. I'm going to preface this by saying, you've got no other sensory thing going on other than just bang. You just got a red light. How do you deal with that?
3: Cover the clutch. Get ready to pull it in. Okay.
0: All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you're immediately taking load off the engine, right? Yeah.
3: Okay. I mean, not, not full deceleration.
0: Right. But you're, but you're just, that red light is making you do something.
3: Get ready. I mean, I, I've I've had two bikes lock the back wheel in my lifetime, <laughs> and it's I've, a brown trousers moment. It's immediately cover the clutch and be ready to pull a, <clears throat> pull the clutch, if that will unlock the wheel, even if it happens. So one one time it did, one time it didn't. Oh, god! But uh, I in a timely fashion, but yeah. not like not like yoke the clutch in and jump on the brakes type right. of fashion. You're not going to get just, rear-ended. Just ease up on the throttle, cover the clutch, get ready. And get over to the side and see yeah. what the hell's going on. And
0: you're immediately... Your instinct is, check the fucker out. Yeah. Like, do a walk around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Steve? Well, if
5: it's my oil light... Right. I immediately hit clutch... Kill. Kill switch. Right. Yeah. Right. So on a BMW, it's that. It's instant absolutely,
0: death. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a BMW, oh. your, uh, your, your time distance Ooh. between... Uh, When I had that oil sight glass window blow out on my BMW, the light, I noticed my foot was hot and wet through my leather boot before (laughs) the red light came on. And when the red light came on, I instantly heard a bad noise. Like the second the red light came on, it was accompanied by a... And I covered the clutch, I hit the kill switch, and I coasted off to the side of the road where I saw what was left of a couple of quarts of oil draining out the oil sight glass window down the side of my motorcycle. Right? That's fucking right now. Chris?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. Yeah. Turn it off and pull over and see if you can assess. Your
0: response, though, is... Now, yeah, yeah. and then what about you? I mean, you're driving the SM now. I'm sure the SM has a lot more feedback than your CB350 did. Uh,
1: quite a lot more. In fact, uh, my oil temp light did come on me once in rush hour traffic. Yep. It was a horrible traffic jam, and it was very hot out.
0: Yeah, and so, <clears throat> you know, with that motorcycle, that is a liquid-cooled motorcycle. It's a liquid-cooled
1: bike. It does have a fan, but... Right. You now, know does
0: it, it have a water temperature light as well, or a gauge?
1: You know, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, the, I assumed the light that came on was the oil temperature light. Right. it might have been the water temperature. Light. okay All right. But all I knew was I needed air flowing over that radiator fast
0: fast. right So you knew your problem was temperature related. <clears throat>
1: yeah because I was in traffic for so long, right So uh, I split the lane
0: yeah so rather than killing the motor and pulling off to the yeah. side of the road you accelerated I split the lane accelerated <laughs> making the assumption it was temperature based oh the light and shut that you right could off. fix it right yeah
1: the second the second I got some rpms on it and got some wind blowing over it yeah light shut off and I made sure I kept on roads where I was still moving yeah. you know although not as fast as I wished I was but right uh and then it was fine ever since then but if had it kept on for more than a couple of seconds I right. would have pulled over
0: The reason I bring this up, and I'm not trying to, you know, we're not trying to take the long way to prom on this one, but the reason (laughs) I'm bringing it up is I just wanted to get a baseline before I started beating my head against the desk and saying that this week alone, we have had two customers, and at this point, we're almost going to call them victims, that both had red lights come on the dashboard of their vehicle. And did nothing, oh, nothing at all, to
5: change the situation. This has been a brutal week, though, for yeah. bikes. Temperature, it, yeah. temperature-wise, yeah, it's, it's hot. It's like when you yeah. when you look at your temperature gauge on your bike and it's yeah. three quarters of the way up, yep. and, and I had a to, when you're. Yeah. When you're up that high, you yeah. know that it's side out.
0: Right. It's not like an Aprilia where three-quarters of the way through the gauge just means the fan will cut right. on in a second because it's an Italian gauge, and they read actual. They read if you're running at 70% temperature, you're getting 70% of the needle.
1: Right. See, I wish I had a temperature gauge. Yeah. I, makes... wish, I wish I had a tack. I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot that that bike does not have. I that love, you
0: consider to be mandatory I love the equipment. bike, but as a
1: mechanic, there's like these things There's I data need, you're not getting? You know, <laughs> I want to know how hot the bike's running. I want to know like what RPMs I'm shifting at. You <laughs> know,
3: replaced as a stock instrument cluster with like a trail tech unit or something. Uh, I'm
1: going to. That's like yeah. that's like my Christmas request this They're year, literally, they literally... I have, want to
3: fucking... The well, yeah,
1: dear funny. Santa, bring me a trail tech.
0: How about, dear Santa, bring me some data about the dirt bike I'm riding. Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> you'd think with that bike's dirt bike heritage, they'd be giving you all kinds of, you know, it's, you fucking know data. You know? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, some of them have a thing out that lists the amount of hours the motor's exactly, been running. Exactly, hour meters, yeah. Yeah, because some of them, you have to change the oil every seven
3: hours. Right, you know? yeah. In some machines, if you're if you're in tune with the machine, it'll tell you things even though it doesn't have, like...
1: I've been getting very in tune with that one, and one of the things I have noticed is, with the hot cams and everything in there, it absolutely needs 91 octane.
0: Sure, I don't doubt it. Without
1: 91 octane, it is very chattery. Yeah. And I was getting worried for a while. I was like, what the hell is going on? And as as a baseline to start, I was putting 89 in there. Sure, Yep. Just, I'm like, I was guessing, like... is eh, usually know, safe for everything. You know, yeah, 89's safe. We'll see what happens. But it would just get, especially when it got warmer, it would get a little chattier. Yeah. Hmm. So, I started using 91, and it just...
0: Settled it all right Settled down. it right Correct down. octane for the application. Yeah. What is uh,
5: OBD2? Going yeah. to be on the bikes. It's not next year. Sure. Or- um, well, we have bikes right two? now
0: that are doing some OBD2. So I mean, that's uh, it's not that going to be oh, standard the- though. What's that? that? No, be- uh, there will be a standardization to it, and they did say that you know within I think it's 2016 that we're supposed to start seeing code scanner OBD2 code scanner with the uh, RS232 ports. I believe they are uh, no, as standard on there. the bikes, so that you can plug any available. You know, I got this engine code reader at Walmart for nine dollars, and I can plug it into my bike. So far, yeah.
3: So far, every Magneti Morelli code that right. I've read on mm-hmm. any of the they're
0: standard codes. They're yeah, yeah they're standard. They're all OBD, standard. OBD I got a P one hundred three one hundred two. Okay, throttle position sensor. You know, we know yep. what those are, and uh, <coughs> that's none of that surprises us <coughs> because they are already going towards that standardization, which is nice because it's going to give the consumer the ability. To do fault diagnosis with the same shitty device that you already bought it, Harbor Freight. You know? <laughs> so, I and mean, if you yeah. have uh, like a torque right. for at least three put times. Put your with these cell phone <laughs> mounts with your yeah. cell phone
5: there. Yeah. You could get your. Oh yeah. Uh, you can get all this information Absolutely. that you can't normally get. You can right. get RPM on Absolutely. your cell phone. Sure. And mm-hmm. your, you know, all the, the other stuff that you. Well, and for at.
0: listeners, explain what torque is because well, they're torque's not. Torque's they a, a,
5: a program, a <laughs> Android program. Yep. That uh, allows you—you you can buy a Bluetooth uh, OBD2. It's
0: an emitter, so it's a, a Bluetooth transmitter it's that plugs into the data port OBD... on your bike, right? Right,
5: or your car. Right now, right. it's for your car, right? But then you could. Take the data screens and put whatever data you want on there, so you can mm-hmm. look at your. They make it for iPhone too. Yeah, they do. Are they, are they really <laughs> and I mean, this is a, this yeah. is the
3: same thing that all these plug-in tuners are doing. They're yep. just doing it through Bluetooth and right. shooting it to your handheld right. device. To your well, they used to do it on their laptops, and it's, now you
1: can do it on your iPad or your iPhone. It's or already your Android
0: available phone. for. Uh, it's already available. Not like Chris's phone, though. For yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, if your phone slides or flips, it probably doesn't have the device. Uh, the app is probably not compatible. Your phone resembles right. an abacus. Yes, exactly. Oh, look, it has the time.
4: Uh, oh, it actually has a picture he on it. And you can play it. Snake. Wow. Yeah. It's got two the, pixels.
1: Yeah. 42-pixel phone. How do you watch porn on that?
0: So you can watch porn on your phone? Whoa! I listen to it. He's calling one nine hundred numbers. Ah. That's how he's watching porn on. His Chris phone. is so old. He's cool. got a vivid imagination.
4: <laughs> Last
0: person in the world to see one nine hundred bills on their cell phone or their uh, home phone bill. Okay, but in the brand new Vespas, all all mm-hmm. the new Vespas, uh, they have a, they have an emitter that you can purchase and a cradle, so you can put your smartphone on your Vespa or on your brand new Moto Guzzi 1400s and have an array of extra information that you don't have available through the normal uh, dashboard. What's that? Or your Stelvio. Or your Stelvio, that's true. Or your V7, which
3: are all, by the way, on sale at our store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Go
0: ahead. Call the shop right now. Get up to $3,500 off the purchase of your brand new Moto Guzzi motorcycle. While supplies last, <laughs> tax
1: total and fees not apply. Bling!
0: <laughs> yeah, but those are there. I mean, those, those are things that you can purchase as a little option from the manufacturer, so that you can then park your smartphone on your dashboard or on your you know smartphone holder, and you can get a hell of a lot more data. You can also record <clears throat> things, record things about your trip. You can get just cooler stuff like way the graphic functions are really cool. That and. These are available now on motorcycles that are just straight from the factory. They're not crazy things you have to buy and put on them. And that's just the march of modern technology moving forward. Now, imagine, if you would, that you're on a brand new motorcycle. Let's say for the sake of argument that maybe (laughs) in the past six or seven months, you spent about $14,000 buying this brand new motorcycle. And that you're down there driving along the Blue Ridge Parkway or Tennessee's, you know, valley. Well, you know, you're just out having a great old time. And you're having a great old time, and you're just enjoying your life, and a big red triangle comes up on your dashboard. Ah! Now, <laughs> we all said what we would do. But let's just say for the sake of argument, you're like, well, if it was a real serious problem, the motor would have seized already. <laughs> So it must just be one of those silly sensors acting up. It's oh, just man. a little glitch. I'm just going to keep riding. I'm
2: going to drive till it
0: seizes. Everything it's feels good. It's, it's, it's probably the O2 sensor. The
3: symbol. Octoon, <laughs> motherfucker.
0: Well, you're, you're not too far from the case. Because, in fact, in this particular, the forensics involved have determined that it was, in fact, the O2 sensor. Mm. It was the O2 temperature sensor that is in <coughs> your airbox determines the temperature of the air coming into the intake stream
5: oh and does that not affect
0: your air fuel ratio strangely enough it does uh, oh uh, strangely really? enough it does and the funny thing is you know when it first comes on and gives you this Large red triangle. Some people call it the triangle of red triangle of death. Well, be screen, air right? would be blue screen of death. <laughs> you
1: know, screen hotter <laughs> air would make it nice and lean. More so people would understand yeah. Yeah, nowadays. Nowadays,
3: more people would understand the blue screen of death. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, and, if you're if you are like any younger than at least twenty, you know the blue screen of death.
3: How about just the How about just the the Pac-Man death noise?
0: So, (laughs) (laughs) let's just say, for the sake of argument, your logic, and I had to ask because I wanted to know the logic that came along with, I saw a red light on my triangle. Because when the customer called me, he said, I was driving along, everything was good, everything was great. I noticed a red triangle on the dashboard. It was cute. Right? With an exclamation point in the middle of it.
2: It wasn't an exclamation
3: point.
0: So I looked for you, too, on my iPod. <laughs> and when I saw that the bike wasn't running poorly, Lock, dude, maybe? so I just kept riding. Okay.
1: I thought it was trying to tell me, but the, the floor was wet.
0: And I just kept riding. Yeah. So then I rode and rode and rode, and I rode until we got gas. And uh, when we got gas, I got off the bike and turned everything off, and I just kind of mm. noticed that the bike just had a weird, particular like it seemed some s- smell to it or something. Just just didn't seem <laughs> and right. Melting that. It just it just <laughs> <The> just, <bit> <laughs> smelled <laughs> like a foundry. Yeah.
3: It just didn't <laughs> seem. was melting. It just didn't
0: seem right. So yeah. I figured maybe at the last gas station I may have gotten some bad gas. There you go. So I made sure this I time. A I made sure this time to put the 91 or 93 mm-hmm. octane gas in it. Put
5: 86 yeah.
0: in. Yeah. So this time I put the 91 or 93 octane gas in it and uh, and then I proceeded back on the road. And I said, and did the red triangle persist? He goes, no, no, the red triangle went away. I changed your spark advancement. For a while. He says, but then after about 45 minutes of riding or so, the red triangle came back. And I said, so and at that point you immediately pulled over. He goes, no, no, because I figured, you know, where I am, there's no dealership here. So apparently this person only reacts to red triangles when they can see the dealership. <laughs> there's a, there's a, like, there's... I hope
1: they don't listen to the podcast. There's a flow
0: chart. I hope they fucking do listen to the podcast because then they won't just think I was yelling at them. Okay? Maybe their flow chart requires, like, red triangle. Do you act? Are you in front of the dealership? Oh, you're in front of the dealership. Then you act. Yes. If you're not in front of the dealership, just keep driving. Okay, that's the flow chart for yeah, that. the deals keep, driving. Keep, keep, keep driving. Infinite loop to keep driving. Keep <laughs> driving. So he said the, 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 the red light came the back on again. Ceased to move. And I said, yeah. and then what did you do? Yes. Stop, oh, well, no, I, know, I figured, you know, still running, still running, still running, fine. I figured that, you know, maybe the 91 octane gas didn't sort it out, you know, whatever. I said, oh, can we go back to the gas station? He goes, yeah. I said, when you were at the gas station, you had some time off the bike. Did you think maybe at that point, did you do a walk around inspection of the bike to make sure everything was okay, considering you just driven 30 or 40 miles on a red triangle? Did you (coughs) check your dipstick and see if there was any oil in the machine? I'm not kidding you. His answer was, well, I just had a service 2200 miles ago. So why would it be low of oil? So you didn't even look at the dipstick. No, didn't even look at the dipstick. Figured know. there had to be oil in it, or it wouldn't be running.
3: Well then,
0: so that proves right there. There's oil in the motor. That yeah, logic. For That's you. logic for you. Remember the bunny motor I had? I lights? do remember. Yeah. A, and I, right. A couple of times that pers- that particular person ran the bike out of oil. Yep, twice. But but, that person ignored two warning lights. So I said, and and, and then where do we go from here? Well, where's the next step? Well, then all of a sudden, my dashboard didn't have the red triangle on it anymore. It had a red triangle, and then where my miles are, my odometer, it simply said the word, urgent service.
1: (laughs) It said, you're fucked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I said, so your motorcycle acknowledged that you ignored the red catastrophic warning light so long that it decided to up the ante and give you the actual words urgent service <laughs> in the language you speak where you could read them in numbers larger than the digits on your speedometer so you couldn't even look at your odometer anymore you couldn't tell what time it was you only knew one thing and one thing only urgent service hey, and <clears throat>
5: then
0: And yet you continued to ride. And you continued to ride. Well, I wasn't near anywhere I could have any service work done to it. So I just kept riding. Well, I like to use the term forensics because that's what you do when shit dies. You do fucking forensics. Now, how much sympathy do I have for this person? As a mechanic, I have zero sympathy. Three. Three? Yeah. Three? Three sympathies? Yeah. I, have, I, have, I am ranking so a three on the sympathy. You know, like a three out of ten. On, yeah. on the sympathy on the three, sympathy-o-meter? Yeah. 3 Three sympathies. sympathies. Oh, okay. top, top. I give you three points because you didn't kick the bike over and light it on fire. Yeah. Right. Uh, so anyway, to give you guys, I'm sure everybody in the audience with is waiting with bated breath to find out what the fuck happened. Well, what the fuck happened is... Yeah, exactly. And the, the codes, of the, which there were many, the initial code was an O2 temperature sensor that was out of range. So that means, <clears throat> at some point, now, there could have been an, a leak in the airbox. There could have been an O2 sensor that actually quit fucking working. An O2 temperature sensor that quit working. And that caused what's that? Could be a leak in the exhaust. It could exhaust. be a leak in the exhaust, absolutely. Causing what? Lean. Lean, lean burn condition. Well, in any case Well I actually would say it
5: was, <clears> it was <throat> a sense yeah.
0: that was lean. <coughs> <coughs> well, not it. to get too yeah. technical, but uh <laughs>
5: it would drive it the other way. There
0: was also a code I'm sure that came a few seconds later. That might have been the urgent sense the urgent <laughs> service code. <laughs> sure. The urgent service code was when, uh, or maybe have been, because the left lambda sensor was out of range. Melted? Right. Fused. (laughs) right, Turned into ceramic. Uh, (laughs) But as the bike presented, the customer said, I talked to some people on the internet, and they told me what happened to this motorcycle, is that the oil pressure sensor cracked, and that the oil leaked out of the oil pressure sensor. And that explains why there was oil leaking out of the bottom of my motorcycle when I parked it 95 miles after the urgent service light came Ooh, on. Miles. And that's why the bottom of my motorcycle was covered in oil, was because at the top of the motor, there is an oil pressure sensor, which there is. And he said that the guy on the internet said that those were prone to failure because they're made out of plastic. And that it probably cracked and leaked all my oil out. And that's why I got the light. Well, if that was your logic, by the way, retroactively, right? Wouldn't that bring a strong argument for stopping the motorcycle when the first red light came on? Okay. Well, you know what? Just to let the audience know, it wasn't his oil pressure sensor. It was intact and where it should be. The entire left side of the motor was covered in oil because his head gasket had failed. And the reason his head gasket had failed is because the motorcycle overheated on the left side because it was running lean as a son of a bitch because his O2 temperature sensor was out of range and was telling the motorcycle that it was obtaining much, much, much hotter temperatures than it really was. And therefore, the motorcycle, which did as it was engineered to do, a number from a sensor went out of range, and it told you that. Had you stopped, and either A cooled the bike down.
5: That's why his light went out. That's when he why stopped. his
0: light went out when he stopped, is because he did stop. He put some gas in the bike, and it cooled the bike down. Now maybe, for our listeners, this could be a tech tip that says, if you see a red light on the dashboard, do the things that we all talked about. Pull the clutch in. Shut the motor off. Coast to the side of the road. Walk around the faster. motorcycle. <laughs> except
5: Dustin. <Or> go fast. <laughs> we'll also, know your lights. Know what those Read lights Read your owner's manual.
0: Yeah. Know if what your, your oil lights light do.
5: Comes on, there's more critical lights than other lights. Mm-hmm. And if your oil light comes on, that is a hypercritical light.
0: You know what? If most motorcycles... Light comes
5: on, you could probably make it home.
0: Most motorcycles have yellow lights and red lights. Some motorcycles have orange lights. You know? Some bikes. Right. And blue lights. Sure. The different colors of the lights usually suggest in the military a yellow light was a cautionary thing. That means that an unsafe situation might exist. A red light was a warning light. That meant that damage to the engine or damage to the rider could exist. You know, like, it's very clear. A yellow light is a cautionary light. A red light is a warning light. There's blue a difference. Blue usually
1: means you want to maybe take care of this at some point.
0: Like, blue usually means your high beams are on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or, or like <laughs> in, in, in my Subaru. It's an advisory, yeah. In my Subaru, my, uh, you need washer fluid light is blue, Sure, right. You know? it's, it's a like, suggestive kind not of not going to kill your car, but just yeah. saying, you might want to yeah. get this shit.
0: So, in the forensics, <laughs> we discovered a head gasket of, that had failed. We discovered that a base gasket was weeping as a result of it as well. And that's where all the oil came from. The interesting thing about head gaskets is when head gaskets start to fail, they operate as a two-way system. Not only does the oil come out of your motorcycle making things messy, but air goes in making things hot. So a hot situation is made very much quicker hotter by a head gasket leak. So the heat that created... Yeah, much quicker hotter
2: easy for you to say. Yeah.
0: Well, the situation
5: that started out as a yeah, yeah, so it is. It's true. So did the head gasket fail, mm-hmm. causing the O2 sensor to overheat and fail? No. And then no, because, went the way that way right. like because the other way Because the there's head no head way,
0: way that I'm aware of that a leaking head gasket that is located on a high temperature part of the motorcycle could affect a O2 temperature sensor, which is located in the nice, cool confines of the airbox. So there's no way the heat from the head got all the way up into the airbox, into the intake well, path I of the air.
5: you were talking about... Uh, o- the... No, he's talking
3: about intake air temp.
5: Intake air
0: temp. Oh, okay.
5: I thought you meant the... Uh, I thought you were talking about the lambda. Lambda. No.
0: no. The lambda no. took a shit because of what? Temperature. The incredible think, yeah. temperature of the head.
5: Right. Right. It's so, EGT, EGT, exactly. right. We ended, up with,
0: we ended up with five codes. So, we ended up with five total codes. The last code was a code I'd never seen before that said, please, please. Take this motorcycle away from this owner. It was a, it was a self-preservation code. P O nine nine nine. No, it was actually it was a, It was I had to look it up. It was the uh, I D ten T, which I didn't know what the I D ten T was until I wrote it out, and the I D ten T just says idiot, and uh, the I D ten T code had lit, and so that's just a thing that just says if you have a red triangle or a red warning light on your dashboard, think about what your strategy is for dealing with it. And definitely, if your motorcycle doesn't have an owner's manual, download one and become familiar with what systems can operate those lights.
3: Owner's manual.
0: Owner's manual. Throw that thing
5: away and go on them internets.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to go straight to the forum, John. Yeah. I'm going to go straight to the forum. I don't want to read that. that. Yeah.
5: It's funny how things can present themselves, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, on your gauges, and even if your gauges are reading correctly, Mm -hmm. if, if... I bought a, 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 or traded a guy a, a, for a GL-1100. Yeah. And I rode it home, and the temperature gauge was reading low. And typically, if your temperature gauge is reading low... Oh, this is important, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah this think, is really important. You think that your thermostat <clears throat> might even be stuck open. Right. Okay, so that... It, I mean, a, it's more critical if it's high
0: yep. than low. Normally, so, people would not even think if that temperature gauge is lazy or that temperature gauge stays real low on motorcycles that are equipped with an actual needle gauge... This is a problem. Right. This is a serious problem.
5: So, I rode home, and and I had checked the coolant before I left, because it was a brand new bike to me. Yep. I checked everything before I left. I checked the oil level. Yep. I checked the coolant in the yep. overflow Some box, expensive. but I did not take the radiator cap off. Right. So, as I rode home, it uh, the uh, temperature gauge stayed low. By the time I got home, I started smelling the engine getting hot. Yeah. So, I shut it right down. I looked at it, the bottle had uh, coolant in it, yep. the radiator was empty, Yep. there was no coolant left in the motor at That's all, right. it had a, a, a rotted head gasket, yep. and it was uh, pouring coolant, and it wasn't smoking, yep. but at some point in its life, he lost the coolant, it was going into the oil, and yep. the a- engine ended up being, I had to pull the heads off and yep. get a machine.
0: Absolutely, so, and this is a big, big deal on any of these 80s liquid-cooled motorcycles. This happens way too frequently, usually because the age of the bike. Um, a lot of these bikes have been sitting for 15, 20 years with the original coolant in them for a really, really long time. It clogs up the passageways. If you aren't sure, you can take a look at the kind of scaling that happens. Coolant itself does degrade aluminum. It, it, if left in coolant for way too long... You'll get the substance inside all your coolant passages that is just full of shit.
5: Right. You could have a radiator on a, a GL500. Mm-hmm. I had the radiator, the outer side, the, the water was still flowing. Coolant yep. was flowing through the radiator, through the radiator, but it would only flow through maybe uh, one yeah. or two inch section in the middle of the radiator. Right. You could touch the outside of the radiator and it was cold. It's cold. Yeah. So the bike would stay cold, yep. and then all of a sudden it would, it would rock just spike, it. Up. Yeah, and it would all go go from nothing right. to all the way uh, yep. to the top, and then it, the radiator needed to be replaced.
0: Because on most of these motorcycles, the water coolant temperature sensor is located in the radiator, and if your water's not making it's an offset. it exactly. And if it's not, if your coolant isn't making it into the radiator due to a stuck thermostat or due to blockages in the passageways, which on older motorcycles that have rubber hoses for moving the coolant around, they can collapse or fill up with shit. And that is just scale that's coming out of the radiator and coming out of the block, and it's plugging up those weak areas to begin with. And there's a lot of water pump, impeller, or seal failures that will cause this problem too that'll have a lack of liquid pressure in the cooling system. And when you get that, I've got... Look at how cool my bike is running. My bike's running so cool. No, the sensor's cool. The sensor's <clears throat> damn cold. But the motor itself <laughs> is not getting any of that delicious cooling liquid through it. Yes. Yeah, and your motor's going to experience all kinds of problems you real know, quick. If
5: never, yeah. If your needle never goes up, then you have an issue. Yep. If your needle goes up when you... A stop. Like if, yeah. you, if you're driving along and it stays down, yep. And you come to a stop, and it slowly climbs, climb, climb climbs, climbs. Yep. And always make sure your fan comes on yep. too. But if it climbs, 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 and then your fan comes on, and it's okay, then that's telling you your thermostats. Yeah. needs to be replaced. Stuck no. in the open position, yeah. <laughs>
0: the uh, the hey, great if the, way... The CB1 if,
1: might need that then, because it well, always did that to me.
0: Well and, well, and a great thing that you can do if you own a liquid-cooled motorcycle, one of the best tests you can do when you're fresh, and I know we talked about this in an earlier podcast about buying bikes on Craigslist, but I'm going to revisit it just because we're talking about this kind of thing as an owner when you get these certain warning lights, what they mean. Test your motorcycle. Maybe in the course... <laughs> I mean, I can tell you... I just resurrected a KLR650 that hasn't run in 15 years, you know? And that motorcycle, one of the first things I did once I got all the fluids out of it, changed all the fluids, made sure it was running happily, rebuilt the carb, I set that motorcycle at a slightly higher than low idle and let it sit for about 10 minutes until I heard those fans kick on. Because I want to know that the coolant is getting to the radiator and warming up the temperature sensor enough to trip... And turn those fans on. Before I start riding the bike on a regular basis You
5: get stuck in a traffic and get stuck jam, in a
0: traffic jam and then you're and you're then straight. I got a boiling over bike on my hands. So oh, the
1: fans always went on the C B one. Right. So yeah. I called that bike the leg burner. Well, <laughs> because oh. the way the fan was situated, it just blew all the hot air right like, on your legs, right here, yeah. right under your shins. Yeah, mm.
0: and that bike was a, oh, a so to, was, that was a toasty was, little four hundred winter yeah. bike.
1: It's an ST thirteen hundred
0: power yeah. power developed seat.
1: So we're going to get to our actual topic. Yes, tonight? we are. We're getting our <laughs> actual topic. So we, we're we going
0: to go, wait, go wait, around wait, the room. Wait, we so mega so so what, squirrel.
2: Whatever happened to the customer?
0: Well, whatever happened to the customer is the customer staring down the bill, staring down the barrel of a very very big bill. And it's going to be very hard for him to justify a warranty claim when he admitted to me that he completely ignored the motorcycle trying to prevent the situation from happening. It could have been something as simple as us replacing an O2 temperature sensor. Maybe it did actually fail. We will never know at this point whether it actually failed. Or whether there was another existing condition, because what ended up happening is ultimately kind of a catastrophic failure. Now, is the warranty, would a motorcycle company who sold you that vehicle, would they be on the hook for your ignorance? Yep. How far down the chain does it go?
1: Yep. You know? yep. Well, if the sensor failed, maybe they'll replace that, but
5: he's on the hook for the rest. <laughs>
0: well, and, that, and that's the sticky part. And well, the that's smarter when these
5: cars get, the more they're going to say that, hey, this I, light was on, and you rode this thing for an hour exactly. and a half after the light went out. Oh, no. Our computer co- tells you. I can,
0: I can tell you by hooking up the computer we have. The sequence in which these lights came on. Yeah. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. I would, no say, that, I would it. say that that proves... Even without his testimonial, that proves neglect, neglect of, right.
3: of vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Quite. I mean, it, if it, if it's not, not straight, straight up abusive.
5: The guy could say, I mean, "Hey, was I pulled off to the side of the road. I called for a tow." Any well, warranty is going to cover you for anything. If that's, if that's what right. he did, then right. that would be no, that'd justified. be great.
0: Use your roadside protection yeah. plan and do what you got to do. But. Yeah, the, and I
1: was half joking when I talked yeah. about just speeding up and taking yeah. off. Well, you, I, did, I did do that, but the light was on for actually
0: maybe a second. A second. And you understand that. You knew. Yeah. yeah. You were so in a situation.
3: I do the same thing. Yeah. My, my shovel, in any, any older Harley, right? if it's 90 degrees out, yeah. and you're in traffic, and you notice the oil <clears> line <light throat> starting to wink at you, yep. you either need to pull the fuck over and shut it off. Or if
0: you can get moving to get some airflow, you mean it doesn't turn off the rear cylinder to cool itself down? No, oh. you don't know, have parade no. mode. No, I didn't <laughs> know, no. Parade. my seventy three doesn't have parade mode. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. But I mean, that's that an <laughs> instance where I would take off too because right. I knew that, but yeah. I knew it. Right. If, and if, if, there I I old old space, if it was some shit right. that yeah. I didn't know, air If it was sixty five degrees and fucking raining out, yeah. And the light started winking at me. I would be like, "Hey, if I'm in stop
0: and go traffic and I hear clattery bells, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't need a warning light to hear clattery bells and know Mm -hmm. that I got a heat situation. Get some air over that fucker, right?
5: I I was on uh, my BMW coming back from New York, yeah, and I got stuck in this traffic jam for two hours, yeah. Yeah. And I would shut it off and then wait and then move. But but in the course of when it Uh, starts moving a little, you're creeping forward. I'm watching the bars. It's always runs at five bars on the temperature gauge it creeps up to 6, 7, and it's yeah. hanging at 7, and the right. fan's coming out. And that's because it's fighting it's diligently to, right to, try to, to control the temperature. Yeah. But as soon as I got home, Could you I changed do? the oil.
0: Yep. Because yeah, because you I knew you cooked it. Yeah, I, you know you cooked it. <laughs> I livened it up.
3: Translation,
5: <laughs> do You know you did, did you something in that and if Shitter's you know you were, you were under <laughs> adverse conditions, you yep. should always change he the oil sure your It's cheap insurance.
0: Yeah, um, I know there was a lot of sidestream traffic going on right now, but Steve brought up an excellent point, And that is if you do put stress on your motorcycle and you do have a situation where you think the bike may have been overheated, it's an excellent, extremely cheap solution. Bring the bike home and change the fucking oil. Because you know you were in an overheating situation. You know you put a lot of stress on your oil. It's cheap insurance to get that oil out of there. You know it's been cooked. You know, I don't need to smell the dipstick to know I've had the bike in a high-stress situation. Um, it's cheap. Throw a couple of quarts of oil hey, in it. It's funny well,
1: you mention you that because that, that, that time the light came on, the yeah. yeah. second I pulled into my lot at yeah. work, the first thing I did after I shut the bike off was I pulled the dipstick. Yeah. And yeah. the oil was nice and clean because I yeah. just changed the oil. You just changed the yeah. fresh. Fresh oil. I knew I had a full yeah. crankcase of fresh oil. Yeah. yeah.
5: And you pulled your dipstick as soon as you got into the Oh, uh, you <laughs> know. I just gave it a little tug. I'm yeah. I'm married. Child, you, yeah.
1: you got to take an opportunity, whenever
2: you can.
0: So, <laughs> Johnny Chrome, doesn't care. Sure. Johnny Chrome, I want to know, what is your favorite bike?
3: That is such a hard question. Oh
0: man, it's, yeah.
3: it really is. It's such a hard question.
1: I hope that's the answer that all of us I, have. I
3: mean, I like so many different ones. Right at this point in my life, and it's not just because I own one currently, yeah. but at this point <clears> in my life, <throat> I, I really, I love. Swing-arm, four-speed, shovel-head bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my reasoning is, they can be anything. They can. The same machine, the same chassis, with bolt-on, and literally you can go back and forth if you want to. Mm-hmm. You can have everything from a full dress, as they made them, yep. bike, to a super light type of bike, to even a chopper type of bike. They created the I icon
0: mean, that everyone else emulated.
3: It's It's the small, I mean any car guys out there, it's the small Chevy of motorcycling. Right. Yeah. I mean...
0: It's true. It's absolutely true. I do happen
3: to own one, but right. I mean, that's... that's it can that's be the bike you own. Yeah. That's my favorite?
0: Okay. And <coughs> what is the bike favorite. that you have a guttural hate reaction to? <laughs>
3: uh, maybe even harder. Uh, at this point, and I hate to beat on them because we beat on them all the time. It's, it's anything from province of Guangdong, China. I
0: mean, <laughs> and that's, serious, that's fair. I mean, that's just, <laughs> yeah, it's fair. No, it's it's fair. Chinese bikes. I have as much yeah. of a
3: problem with the bikes, though, as I have with the owners because right. they just...
0: They made a bad decision.
3: They made a bad decision and... Right. And,
0: and they won't own
1: up to it. Well, they they're, they're defending they, their purchase. We, yeah. we
3: become, we, the mechanics, whether we work at a <laughs> shop, whether you're doing it on the side, whatever, become the, the bad guy that tells them, you know, hey... I'm sorry. This whatever, eight hundred, twelve hundred dollar bike you just bought—you know—it's going to need another six hundred dollars, yeah. and at that point, it may or may not run right. right. And I mean,
0: I can repair it, but I can't fix it.
3: Exactly. I mean,
0: yeah. All right, Steve, you're on the spot. Tough hey, question. Done, it tough, is a tough, tough question. Tough, tough question. It's a tough mean, question. You see
5: this at ten fifteen. You you text at ten fifteen with this yeah. subject, and I thought about it all day. Uh, I know, right? And I, <laughs> You and ruined our day. That, you is it bikes that we own, or is it bikes nope. that we? That's the whole in? thing. And you said it's any mm. bike in the world. Any bike in the world. Well, the problem is that you could fall in love with a bike, and once you own it, well, you're, you're, the love affair is gone.
0: Welcome to my experience right. with the well. Ducati Sport One Thousand. <laughs> I yes. wanted that bike for about seven years, like I fucking wanted that bike, and I wanted it hard. And then I crashed and, it. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
0: I didn't want it any less after you crashed it. I wanted it less after I rode it, and that was just the killer. Like if if my thing was just I just had to look at the bike, just in my garage's art. I'd still be thrilled with it, but it killed the dream. Yeah, go ahead, man.
5: So I'm going to just limit, limit my discussion to any bike that I've ever owned. That you've owned? You should. That I've, that I've I mean, ridden to be a distance I have you some, some, uh, some experience with. And so that's you know
2: 70 or 80 bikes.
5: Well, maybe, currently. Maybe 40. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I would say that next if, week that number will be different. Yeah, he's talking yeah, I, about I, currently owned I said, bikes and I I on bikes and registered bikes. He said on a podcast that the eleven fifty RT yep. was the for all be all mm-hmm. bike for me, and I love that bike, and I wouldn't. I mean, I would take that bike anywhere mm-hmm. on a trip. But I think that if I had only one bike all around, I would have to say that I like the PC eight hundred the best. Yeah, <clears throat> because I like the I like the drivetrain. Right, it shifts like. It shifts perfectly. Right. It it uh, is super low maintenance, and I just like the sound of it. I like the seating position. I like everything about it. And the pegs are a little high. Yeah. I'd rather have the pegs a little bit lower. And but I they make a thing, thing for that.
0: <coughs> yeah. Right. And they make
5: the, you can lower the pegs on it. Yeah. And I would say that that would have to be. My, I mean, and I like all my bikes, I and mean, right. I don't buy if I don't like a bike. I I'm sell not going to buy. it. Right. So, yeah. but I mean, I like every bike I own. But if I had to keep one bike. And that was the only bike I was gonna ride for the rest of my life, that would be the bike. And
0: now that's really pragmatic. I mean, like, that that makes sense on a hundred different levels. Do you have a bike that is just like, dude, I've got you know, I've got eight bikes in my garage. I happen to like them all for different reasons. What is the fucking bike that that you lust after, but you have no you don't even want to try justifying owning it? You're not gonna have it for any particular reason, you know, logical reason. You're just like that's the fucking, like, that's the, the bike. Without riding, without knowing, yeah.
5: I would like an R5. An R5, yeah. The BMW R5. Right. And I, I believe that. That's Explain like, to
0: listeners what the R5 is.
5: Oh, it was a. Uh, I think they were made in 1938. Right. 1938. It's a pre war bike. Yeah. Uh, and then as the war progressed, they didn't have the materials to continue production of it. But it. Just the motor itself <clears throat> is the most beautiful motor on any bike that I've ever seen. It's a it, the bike is a work of art, mm-hmm. and it is a hardtail, which I'm not really fond of hardtail bikes because I like my spine the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, See, but but just to own a bike, I mean to have a bike like that, that would be my dream bike to to own a bike and be able to to. You know, I mean, I wouldn't use it for what I... You know, it's not a practical bike. Right. But it's a bike that would...
2: It's
3: a
0: dream bike. It's a dream bike. Yeah. that's a dream bike. A dream not, bike. Yeah. Dream not, bike. Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. Yeah, A dream bike is a real good way to put it. Right. Yeah. For no real logical reason, just a fucking, like, knee-jerk reaction, right. I want that bike.
5: Right. And I love yeah. my R50, and I rode <laughs> yeah. that 59 R50 everywhere. Right. I would go distance on that, and that and was a great bike. And, and I mean, when you that?
0: talk about R5s, R5s yeah. are... The quintessential vision oh, yeah. of what an Art Deco BMW really is. Um, it's not the crazy prototype one that hey, was all swoopy doopy.
3: That doesn't have Earl's forks on it. <laughs> no, it, does no, have it doesn't. It's got
0: telescopic forks. Got <laughs> on it. Yeah, but then, they are Like everything about the R5 yes. is just beautiful.
5: But it lo- I mean, the bike with the standard forks, mm. the telescopic forks, yeah. it looks better. I mean, it does Earl's look forks are ugly. Yeah. but they're practical and they work really well. And
0: they're iconic for the for the thing for the right. piece. What's your hate bike?
5: Mm-hmm. I dislike, I mean, I like standards. I mean, mm-hmm. like standard seating position, mm-hmm. whatever. I hate small, like small, like C, like the Honda C Series, like CM400Cs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like the. Yeah. The, 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 the one sway back, yeah, the sway, sway back horse. The sway back horse yeah. with the yeah. stump C. Yeah. Yep. The seating position's too cramped. Yep. They have the ugliest handle. The, the oh, yeah. bars come up and around like this, yep. and your hands are in the wrong position mm-hmm. to ride. And they just don't appear to... I mean when I ride them, they're just not stable. Yep. I mean, like for me... The, the I honestly never thought
0: that your worst, the, the bike you hated would have been a Honda. Because yeah, you no, love Hondas. I, like, I love you're a Honda Hondas. guy. Right. But it's so funny that it's like, you're like literally picking from the field. I think you hate them more because you have such respect for Honda and that's such an abomination that they fucked it up so bad. That's because right. that's like that's what, why I mean, you even, hate it more. Even like
5: the DNO1. Yeah. That bike, I can live with a DNO1. I, I can absolutely. live with that that weird stealth bar, F117 <laughs> they're making now. What do they but call it? The
0: Volturis? <laughs> yeah,
5: well, yeah, it's
3: because Prince had one, is it? The oldest.
0: So that, that's I cool. I could totally yeah. ride
1: the purple rain bike. That's a but, that's on- that's oh, but that's another CM 400. I
5: just the seating position is. Just, <laughs> like, okay. I would make I, an obs- an exception for that bike. It the is GL 650s. I, I like GL 650s. Right, but I they're kind of hard to come by. Yeah, and some guy was selling the we CX fifty c Right. Yeah. And you I bought it. that and I I like the motor. Easy. I liked but the you hated the bike. hated the bike. Right? Yeah, hated, hated the bike. That? And I mean, every it's, single it's a one that I've ever And it's
0: hard to look at too. Oh yeah. It's, because it's, the tank like, is wrong, the swayback uh, horse is too steep. It is a hard bike to look at.
5: And it's like the Suzuki <laughs> cruisers with that like plastic like that st- Metal, like, you know, like the, where the neck yeah. connects together. They're trying
0: to camouflage the <laughs> neck of the motorcycle. <laughs> the right.
5: Intruder, we have one in the right. shop. The intruder is a f- fine example yeah. of that.
0: The camouflaging, but it's of, the same. Right.
5: It's on the same genre yeah. of bike. Yeah, and the uphill genre gas can, thing. Yeah,
3: they all did it. I mean,
5: all so right,
0: Chris.
3: Fun. I
2: brought my homework. Chris has. I, he does. He, he has has paper. Notes. He's always has notes. He
0: always has
5: notes. Yeah. Well, well,
3: some of us had to work today and not yeah. do, do any homework.
5: Any oh. bike from Guangzhou is hey. my favorite.
3: <laughs> no, I hate them. I fucking hate them. Yeah. Well, I'd like I, to punch I, the owners in the throat. I, <laughs> got,
2: some, I got some homework that I'm going to turn in here, and, and the one that I like the best is number nine on their uh, list. Number nine. No, do we get a burnout tonight? <gasps> nope, just a it's
0: rainy out. He doesn't want to lose it and end I up mean, in your neighbor's driveway. <laughs> an easy burnout. <laughs> I know, but it's...
2: and it's a and it's a KZ one thousand.
0: Yeah, KZ one thousand.
2: And I, I I like the KZ one thousand because I wrote it times. in
3: in your. Um, I know what they look
2: like. <laughs> <I> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, we don't have to go far to find one either. Yep. Yeah, yeah. KZ one thousand, man.
5: They're nice looking bikes. Though. <clears> yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they are they are great looking bikes. They are iconic of the inline four cylinder, yep. and with a little bit of styling put in that Honda didn't get. You know, the shape look, of their tank look, is better.
2: Look on on the back of that because of yeah. course when we printed this out we ran out of paper. So numbers he's got one, two. He's one, got a drawing one, of it. A written <laughs> on, Well, number two, I don't even need to look
0: because I know that number one is the Honda CB750. There you go. Right. Was that? Okay. Number one is always I'm the drawing. Honda CB750. <laughs> And uh, number two, what does it say? Is the Honda Fireblade, which is uh, here. The Honda Fireblade is just the Honda CBR line. Yeah. So the uh, and I don't I don't agree that this. The I Fireblade mean, I agree. The One thousand, right? That, well, the Fireblade they sell a seven fifty. 900, yeah. Nine hundred. Nine twenty nine.
3: Nine fifty four. Right. One thousand. It's
0: everything in this country we call a CBR. In England, they call it a Fireblade. Yeah. Right. yeah. So that's the way it is. But yeah, these uh, the the top ten most influential well, motorcycles well, read, ever. Read it, read it We're wild, gonna sorry. we'll post it to the show notes too. But um, some of these bikes that are on here, I'm familiar with this list. <laughs> and does the Yamaha GTS 1000 count? Yeah, no. Oh, you mean the uh, Omega yeah. chassis? Yeah, Omega the, Ch- the Omega chassis Ch- with the hub Ch- center. Ch- yeah. Ch- yeah, yeah, with the hub with the hub center steering and the front.
3: 400s in there. That's a yeah.
0: good one. So we're just going to go down the list very quickly, just for the heck of it, because Chris okay. did go to the trouble of creating homework. So uh, so this is get there and say. Turning
3: you want to make
0: them. Well, number ten. Number ten is the Rondine. The Rondine is. This was a very early use of the inline four cylinder across the rails uh, motor. Uh they've been around forever. Uh 1923 was kind of the the start of that uh, when they Rondin came up with it. an inline four in
1: 1923.
0: Well, that was when they started designing it and it really didn't came didn't to market about 1926. That, wow. Well, the company origin eventually turned into Gelera. So, Jalera, by the time the motorcycle came out, the company had been established as Jalera, the brand we know today. The bike was called the Rondine. 1935 is usually the example that you see pictures of. It's a beautiful bike, uh, and it is gorgeous. And that inline four-cylinder motor, of course, where did it end up? It ended up in the KZ1000. It ended up in the cd 750 It ended up in the Fireblade. It ended up in fucking everything in the world. has got an inline four-cylinder motor across the rails, this was, historically speaking, the first bike that decided to take the inline four-cylinder that went from front to back, which Indian and Cleveland and Harley-Davidson, everybody played with that idea of an inline four-cylinder front to back, and said, why don't we put them all sideways to get equal cooling air across to all four cylinders? Novel concept. Instead of having them in a row, automotive style, because yeah. car motors were in yeah. a row front to back, <laughs> and they just said, well, motorcycles were just narrow cars. And they kept the motorcycle configuration of the inline cylinders, one, two, three, four, front to rear, did with this motorcycle started out being left to right across the rails. Kind of cool. Really neat. Uh, Number nine, they say Kawasaki KZ1000. Of course, who can argue with that? It goes straight from a KZ1000 chips bike to any one of the ultimately KZ1300 touring bike, a six-cylinder liquid-cooled with fuel injection. Very high-tech shit for its day. The uh, Yamaha RD four hundred C, which they're saying nineteen seventy six C model. Hell, I'll go back and say any of the RDS, the
3: R five, even. I mean, all of
0: them. Any twin cylinder air cooled Yamaha RD was a beautiful bike. The RD was indicative of the Reed. You know, that had a Reed valve and six speed transmission.
3: The D was for double, double engine, double two. Uh, No, because like the
0: R fives and stuff, all the bikes that weren't the Y seven C's and stuff, they were twins. But they weren't reed valve. Right, exactly. They weren't reed valve. Right on. So the, all the RDs are reed valve and they're all, usually six speed transmissions go along with them. And God, they're just good looking, simple motorcycles. Hildebrand and Wolfmuller. Well, Jesus Christ. We, you know, okay, worst argument ever. They, they're saying it's influential. It has nothing to do with sex. We had to put the, ni- the 1894 Hildebrand and Wolfmuller on the list somewhere. After all, it's wildly, widely accepted as being the world's first production motorcycle. Ah, first whatever. Who gives a fuck? You know, the first time somebody put something that made booms or motive power onto a bicycle chassis or something else, it became the world's first motorcycle. So it's always debatable who did it first. You know, I've seen things that look like railroad trains that technically have one wheel in the front and one in the back, but it's the first motorcycle. Whatever. Uh, Yamaha OW-61. Uh, Yeah, right? I mean, so, okay. And for the record, I don't love the way this bike looks. I now have an erection, by the way. Is there a picture? (laughs) No, there isn't. No, but it is one of the first bikes to use the, the aluminum beam frame. Uh, they the eventually called it the delta stroke? box yeah oh, it's a two stroke okay, 500 gp racing motorcycle kenny
3: roberts had his ass on in about exactly. 1975. <coughs> yeah,
0: yeah it's a very <laughs> early racing four cylinder four cylinder 500 cc racing motorcycle it's and it two was v, and it was yeah v4,
3: yeah. Twin, v4 crank. twin
0: crank yeah, yeah it was stroke. a motorcycle yeah, that legitimately ushered in we are making 100 horsepower out of 500 cc's in a completely impractical racing class It was that the has, motorcycle that said, Okay, tire manufacturers. Yeah, good luck. Step it up. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was the first time too that GP motorcycle <clears throat> racing left any sort of association with bikes motorcycles consumers could actually buy. They were literally saying, Okay, we don't care if this ever gets to production. We're just gonna go real fast. We all we care about is lap times. And I still let me see the let me see the photograph and see if his eyes remember it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like every FZR or everything. there was there was a black and
3: yellow version. The first (laughs) were white.
0: The dead giveaway was always red, white, and black. And you saw four pipes come out of the back. (laughs) Hang on, it's a four cylinder five hundred. Shit's gonna get weird. Suzuki Gamma was the same way. Yep,
3: RG five hundred. RG
0: five hundred Gammas were the same way. These were all outlaw bikes that were all about fuck the people. This is for winning races. This is a winning races weapon. And 99% of the general public will die on this bike. Let's not give it to them.
3: It was the predecessor to the TZ. The TZ was an inline four. And just because of phasing, they couldn't keep traction. So they split the power pulses and used a V4 configuration with two crankshafts nice because the so riders So they could hook them up. Yeah, the riders couldn't
0: You couldn't drive it.
3: And that's what they were saying to the to the suspension. They had to soften it. The the suspension manufacturers and the tire manufacturers yeah. were like, "Hey, step it up."
0: Yeah. <laughs> BMW R12, well that comes right back to your BMW that you like cuz 1937 uh you know, that BMW is number five on the list of most influential motorcycles and I totally agree. By Moda, SB two, gotta look this one up, guys. It's a freak show. It's another fucking clown car motorcycle. Uh you know, yeah, I mean it was is that it was the crazy. Though? It was well okay, so the idea was they were really trying, you know, it's early late seventies, early eighties, they're really saying, We're gonna take a GP motorcycle and somehow make it we can sell it to the public. And if you know anything with Bimota... I think
1: they're still doing that.
0: Their projects were always outlandish and crazy. Sometimes they used Suzuki motors. Sometimes they used different motors. It was mostly just a chassis experiment or a braking experiment or a handling experiment. Bimotas came up with all kinds of crazy crap to make shit get around the racetrack faster. Most of it was never really... Uh, sold well. Most of it wasn't the big deal, um, mm-hmm. but in, as a kid when I was growing up in the mid '80s, the Bimoda posters were everywhere because that shit was like, whoa! It was freak show, you know. Um, Oompa Loompas didn't have vehicles that looked like their shit. It was crazy. Yeah, the Dakas too were- yeah, they were just weird. The name, yeah, the names yeah. were the the weird. Best the uh, number three one. is a number three is a bike that I've the Vincent Rapide. Um, this was the early generation before the Black Shadows came out. The Vincent Rapide was their lighter superbike. It was a true racing bike. Uh, really, I mean, it, you know, when we get to mine, we're going to talk about Vincent's and stuff and how they're fucking iconic. They really are. And then uh, the Honda Fireblade, which we said number two is Honda Fireblade. That's every CBR ever produced. Because, yeah, they are they are innovative. They, they, cre- they set the standard for production racing motorcycles. And uh, a lot of times racing rule books are written around the bikes that exist on the planet. And a lot of companies for years and years and years had to play catch-up to the CBRs. You know, they, Honda spends more money on racing than anybody else. So sooner or later, you're going to have to chase a Honda. And <laughs> there's no better example than that than bike number one, which is the Honda CD750. Which in 1969, officially, Bleed in my opinion, off of in frame. 1969, it like officially made yeah. Harley-Davidson obsolete. Because yeah, after that... Definitely. After that you had a reliable 750 cc motorcycle that go 125 miles an hour and was smooth as glass and guess, affordable guess, you know yeah, it was hard now definitely. chris oh, now, hold, on. Hold, on. Still, hold on hold on we still hold on hold on i'm not done yet work. fuck that <laughs> we got a those. i still ain't heard we haven't heard chris chris is one of those students that believes that he doesn't need to read the requirement to the test he can just puke data on me. Okay? I used to do that to students. It's called data dumping. Data dumping, right? Yeah, you're just puking numbers. So what's the question? What's well, your favorite? Well, what's your favorite person? What's Chris Smith's boner I like.
2: bike? I like the one that I rode. Yeah. The BMW. Yeah. Uh GS.
0: That lit you up. Like the yeah. the way it looks lit you up, the way it rode lit you up,
2: the way it felt. The way it
0: felt lit yeah. you up. Yes. So that was the bike that you were yeah. just like, "Fuck yeah." Yes. That was the fuck yeah bike. Yes. Yeah. Like that's some shit right there. Yes. I want that. Yes. <clears throat> okay, cool. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I want. I mean, that's okay. what I wanted. I wanted the bike that just made you that like grabbed your chest and something in your balls and just kind of <laughs> went, "You're coming with me." Yes. You know, and every time I show you Which a picture of this bike, it gave you priapism. <laughs> <laughs> why won't my boner won't Why won't my boner go down? Take the poster off your wall. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the worst, man?
2: Well, it's a tie between the Piaggio MP3.
0: Yep. I can totally understand why you hate that bike.
2: <laughs> and and the Suzuki RE5.
0: Yeah, the RE5 rotary, and the RE5 rotary came in a couple of different flavors. Uh. Now this is interesting because once again this isn't Chris's opinion. This is Chris asking Google what are the ten worst moments of time. <laughs> I,
2: Chris asked Mrs. Smith to ask Google. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you
0: sub, You a secretary. You, you subcontracted your homework. You fucker.
5: This motherfucker right. knows yeah. how to delegate better <laughs> yeah. than anybody I know. All Mechanically, right. the RE5 might have been a nightmare. Right. It was a cool <coughs> was,
0: uh, yeah, yeah.
5: Eons <coughs> ahead of its it time. We've it it talked cool.
0: about it in podcasts before. I totally agree. It is an important motorcycle because it achieved what Wankel, and Hercules, and those companies in Britain who tried desperately to embrace the rotary motor in a motorcycle uh. and just didn't really fucking nail it. It took the Japanese to go like, no, we're gonna sexify it. We're gonna like make it sexy. We're gonna make it into a racing ish motorcycle. Sport yeah, we're gonna motorcycle. put a Rolodex
3: on the handlebar. We're, <laughs> we're gonna put a
0: roll top plastic console off the Star Trek set of blue tinted plastic that's Fucking gonna crack awesome, man. the first time you look at it. You yeah. see them and they're all they're always like permanently cracked, yeah. like the little plastic striations in them. They took styling cues on the exhaust from like
5: a 57 turnpike cruiser. Yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) Yeah. God. Individual cooling vents. If you just want to have a fun day sometime, we're all laughing our asses off. If
3: anybody had one, it'd be worth Read
0: the carburetion principles required to operate the motor in an RE5 rotary. Read how the carburetors work to get gases into a rotary to make it work, and then look at blown-up diagrams of the carburetors, the device that puts the life-giving gasoline into the fucking motor, and realize this thing's destined to fail. Like, it's uncleanable. Yeah, and spark plugs in every different direction, leading and, and following and, following and right. chasing, and chasing.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: they were just ahead
0: of oh their my. time. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they fuel injection their time. So,
3: fuel injection solves the carburation issue.
0: Yeah, and that's why everybody on the road drives Mazda RX sevens and RX eights. Yeah, they're they're so fucking practical. They
3: have good thermal efficiency, and they
0: don't work in the cold. Don't ever drive your Mazda in the ice cold, freezing temperatures. And
1: they have a non-stop combustion.
0: Well, potentially. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, I do want to read this because you did mention the Piaggio MP3. And I do. I do. Every time I see (laughs) one of those bikes, I just cringe. And every time a bike comes into my... Every time an MP3 comes into my shop, I'm just like, great. Now fucking what? Because the only thing worse than the MP3s are the people who've lined up and said, it's the greatest thing ever. Because those are some serious Kool-Aid drinkers without any fucking sense of logic or reason. Uh, and okay tell me why it's the greatest thing and if it's the greatest thing ever and it handles great and it never slips and it never loses traction how come Valentino Rossi isn't riding one around the racetrack right now because <laughs> they pay serious money for traction out there and if having three <laughs> wheels on the fucker would solve it guess what they'd have three wheels on the fucker and they'd be going faster and what was it was it Elf or who was it in the 70s and 80s would have that, that six wheeled fucking Formula 1 car yeah, that, was awesome. that shit hung around for a long time didn't it yeah, yeah. six wheels yeah My 27-wheeled battle jitney is going to have excellent performance categories. Yeah, because 18-wheelers are known for their cornering abilities. Okay, so slapping extra wheels on it doesn't make it more awesome. Piaggio MP3. It's a trike. It's a scooter. It's something no one ever asked for. Fucking A. Holy shit. Somebody somewhere in the first sentence heard some shit I said nine years ago. It's the answer to the question nobody ever asked. Thank you. Mm. And it comes from your nightmares. (laughs) Apparently. I've already talked a little bit in a past article about how I don't really like trikes. The one big exception being Can-Am. I don't like you already. But Uh, this thing is just a begging to be picked on. Like an unpopular kid who wears My Little Pony Friendship is Magic shirts this just adds insult to injury.
5: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fuck it. It is what it is. two computers trying to Make everything
0: work. Literally, it's a front computer and a back computer having an argument perpetually about whether or not they should let you start the motor and continue down the road. Um, It can fail any one of a thousand different ways. There are weak links attached to other weak links by weak links. And it's the only motorcycle in the test that needs a front end alignment that can't be done with tools that exist on this planet. So there you go. So why do you hate them? Oh, other than that, you do have to look forward to buying a new rear tire every 2,500 miles, which means a very expensive tire and changing a very expensive (coughs) tire before you need an oil change. And that's efficiency. That's saving gas. No, it's not. It sucks. Yeah. And you know what? I'll take the best rider.
1: gasoline into tire destruction.
0: Yeah, exactly. Give me the best rider in the world on an MP3 and put him on that bike and let him go around a racetrack. And then put him on virtually any other bike and send him around the same <laughs> racetrack, else? and I can tell you the MP3 will be slower, and he'll probably crash twice in the way. You know, he'll probably crash. It'll probably crash again without him when he walks away from it in the pits, and it just falls over into a more expensive bike. It'll take two steps. Fuck <laughs> that. Okay, Dustin, you're on the spot. All
1: right. Uh, well, as far as favorite goes, I, I, I tried to limit this to like. Bikes I've had personal experience to. But yeah, I, I did stretch to the fantasy world yeah, yeah. a little bit. I mean, obviously, everyone that listens to this podcast knows that lately I've been really into my motardy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sumo, fighter. sumo, sumo,
3: dirt, so, dirt, biky type of things. He wants an X-wing fighter. No, so I mean, I, I,
1: I would say <laughs> my DRZ is definitely up there towards the top because I really, really love it. But I can't say that I wouldn't love like a. You know, D- Ducati uh, mm-hmm. Hypermotard. Better. Yeah, yeah. I I might I might like that better. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that could definitely fall into the realm of my favorite. And they have
0: that very attractive large fixed beak.
1: Yeah, I do love the beak. It looks. You like, like the you beak, could, don't like, you? It looks like you could like penetrate something. Like you, you could just like take apart pedestrians. With the front of
5: that. <laughs> you know, the people so got you in your know, way. You just
1: in Normandy. Like, they, they would just split by that thing. <laughs> So yeah, I mean definitely uh in the favorites it's the taller, the Motardy type bikes. Yeah. Um with other bikes that I've personally had experience with um that uh hawk gt yeah. yeah. Uh I mean I was in love with that bike for a long Did time. Did
0: you like the way that hawk looked? I
1: love the way it looked. Yeah, I
0: thought it had a really good line. I love yeah. the way it
1: rode. Yeah. It had a sport bikey enough stance. Yeah. But not too far into the fetal position, mm-hmm. you know. Of, uh, you know, you were still kind of a little, little up higher. It
0: was a, yeah, it was forward. <clears throat> it was forward, but not crouching. It was forward, but still a little standard. Yeah. and it and it felt good everywhere. It did feel good I everywhere. Mean, it felt yeah. good.
1: And just slow-ass traffic. It felt good on the highway, doing 85 miles an hour.
0: And when you honked it, it went. It, <coughs> it honked. Did. It yeah. did. So For I, a 650, it was just like, whoa, let's go. Yeah, yeah. as
1: much as I love my DRZ, that's my favorite bike right yeah. now. That is my top of the list right now. Yeah. I might put a Hawk GT above it. Yeah. Just because of my experience. I put it, like, like 1,200 miles Yeah, on you rode
0: bike. that bike quite a bit. You yeah. definitely have a very good...
1: I rode the shit yeah, on that you, bike. Yeah, you definitely
0: have a good experience with that bike.
1: I think that that bike is just incredibly versatile. hmm Yeah. Uh, over the DRZ, it would have more touring possibilities. Yep.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, not that I wouldn't tour on the DRZ. I mean... Hell, why not? You know, I'll tour on anything. And but. those hawks, you know,
0: like the mods that we did to that hawk, you know, just changing the jetting on the rear car and the rear uh, cylinder, yeah. making open, real open light change, open up a little bit. Uh, boy, that bike really did. You know, for a bike with nineteen eighties technology, it was just that. You know, that uh, rear suspension system that they ran, that swing the, arm,
1: the single side swing arm it was on beautiful. that, beautiful, yeah. gorgeous, very functional. It was-
0: and just a really good motorcycle to ride. Super well-balanced. Like just Yeah, I think that
1: was probably the most underrated uh, yeah. motorcycle that Honda ever tried to sell in the U.S. You know, <laughs> I think they missed that market. Well, Suzuki
0: maybe, picked it up a little bit later. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh-huh. Suzuki went, oh, you dropped this. Yeah. Oh, you I dropped that. Let's thing. just call it an
4: SV. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
1: think, yeah. I think if Honda would have released that bike maybe five years earlier... Yeah, It would have caught on like gangbusters and they would have built on the line.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do too. I really think that, um, you know, it was very expensive compared to the CBRs it was selling against. Yeah, because the cost was a big of problem. manufacturing was higher. You know, everything about building that motor was more expensive than building a CBR, and they passed that savings on to the customer in the form of you went to the dealership and you're like, well, should I buy this 650 Hawk or I can buy a goddamn CBR 1000 Hurricane for the same money. I'm going with the Hurricane, you know? <clears throat> And, uh, boy, the Hawk was really a good bike. i tell you the
1: Hawk. I would, I would have bought What Hawk did you hate?
0: What just fucking pissed me off? Uh,
1: oh, oh, on personal riding experience, what yeah. did I hate? Uh, I'll tell you what. Cleveland Cycle Works.
0: Yeah.
4: Mm.
1: Yeah. They're hometown guys, but I'm fucking sorry, man. That one guy that bought the bike at your shop and could not even get the thing to run out of first gear to right. get it home.
4: Yeah.
1: I was sitting there watching him. I'm like, this Fucking dude's gonna kill himself on the way home. So I walked up and tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, hey, do you want me to ride the bike home for you? His friend was waiting in his car to follow him home. I'm like, do you want me to ride that home for you? And if I do, your friend take me back to the shop? And he's like, yeah, I think I need that. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Was that the Misfit or the Heist? That was was the Misfit. The Misfit, yeah. Yeah.
0: The 250 Cafe style.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I I was like, oh, cool, I get to ride a Misfit because I hadn't ridden one yet. Right. And I ride it and I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Brand new bike. I was on the bike yeah. and it had the cheapness and I don't want to say mopeds are cheap. Right. But it sure as fuck felt like one. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it was just light and shaky and yeah. just not all together. I was like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. The am brakes- glad this dude didn't ride this home. <laughs> it
0: just, it had an air of a feeling of unsafeness. Yeah. To a person who rides a lot of motorcycles, it just felt like, why is this thing so sketchy? It's brand new. It shouldn't <laughs> be this sketchy brand new. I've ridden 40 year old bikes that are nowhere near as sketchy as this thing is. Exactly. You know? You know? And, and, just, and
1: you remember the first heist you brought around here mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, take it out. Yeah. Take it around the block. I, I gave you a one word review. Yep. Unremarkable.
0: Unremarkable. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was my one word yeah. review of the yeah. heist. It's completely unremarkable.
0: unremarkable. Yeah. And <clears throat> it okay. just. And it's, it does. And so that bike, when you see it, you get angry instantly. Yeah. You just instantly get angry.
1: And as far as bikes that I haven't ridden that I probably definitely would not definitely like, um, I would say anything in the Harley Sportster 883 line. Yeah. You just don't, Uh, they just don't do it for you at all. Just for the price for the, what you're getting. uh, (laughs) Chris is pointing out his list of bullshit bikes. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not just our opinion. It's printed yeah. on the internet. <laughs> Somebody took yeah, the time to write it. Yeah, I mean, I thought, right.
1: So it must be right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just think that for the money you would pay for that motorcycle, yeah. you could get so much more motorcycles. Well, and I
0: love a lot of Sportsters. And I really do love a lot of Sportsters. I honestly love a lot of Sportsters. There's a hell of a lot of them that were really good bikes. I've owned a few that were really good bikes.
3: And
0: 883s? 883s, yep. Oh, okay. 883s and 1200s. And, <laughs> but would and, you
1: pick an 883 over a Gucci?
0: No, 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 no. I'm not saying I would pick them. I'm just, I'm just saying I didn't think they were bad. I thought they were what they were, and I've, and I've actually ridden some 883s that were done in a true Sportster fashion that did corner and did ride very predictably and gave good torque power response, mm-hmm. and they were still in their 883 configuration. And I was like, you know what? It's a good bike. It's just a good <clears throat> solid bike. But I can understand. There's also yeah.
3: so there were some uh, the 883 R R the 883 R
0: was. Yeah, but it was a good it bike. was well there
3: was twelve hundred money
0: right. i mean it was not <laughs> the right. you know what was the price and there were all the store bikes that what they the did was the price point in the yeah. day
3: 49.95 right, $5. right. That, that's actually my you know,
1: my, my criticism good. on them is for the money right. right yeah yeah you know the the bike itself i'm sure for the right, right. price would be a yeah, great the bike. only
3: saving grace for mm. people to get amused is if you're wanting to beat the insurance loophole yeah yeah. yeah, you can get an eight eight three and pop it <clears> out <throat> to twelve hundred pretty fast too. And pretty fast, and you're still paying the insurance on an eight
0: eight three. <laughs> and the and a fuel and a modern <laughs> fuel injected and a modern fuel injected Sportster oh, is a God. wonderful bike.
3: In oh four, the axis changed on yes, the it Harley did. World. Yeah, the Sportster.
0: It shifted out. a lot. I mean, I mean, the, I mean you so, know, if
1: you try to charge me that kind of money yeah, for Royal right. Enfield, oh, I'd be yeah. like, "Fuck well, you, dude!" Yeah, but and, for what you charge for Royal Enfield, I'd right. be like, you oh, Royal Enfield's a nice bike." So,
0: you know. Yeah, I'm going to start by saying my the What's well, your you turn time for you? Well, yes, no, you're No, yeah, your no, what time great. is it? Dustin's uh, is over. Yeah. So Oh,
1: no, dude, we're at an hour and 18. Yeah, you're I'm done. Going.
0: Okay. I'll, no. I'll,
1: oh. You guys <laughs> going to know.
0: Um, <laughs> so it's it's absolutely true that there's a bike that uh, there's a bike that has just been my fucking like every time I see it it's boner fuel. Uh, I guarantee it's just one of those things that it's just, I cannot fucking stop looking at it and dreaming about it. Mm-hmm. And it's a 1936 KJ Henderson Westfall. It's a custom built bike. It was based on the, eight, the Henderson. Um, so if you look at a picture of it, it is the living embodiment of Art Deco on wheels. Yeah, and wow. nowadays, now, we'll put nowadays we'll, we'll put how? photographs how on I it. Oh, look at that! Yeah. And
3: you know what I instantly think? Yeah. <laughs> Did Randy Grubb build that? Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, like yes, that's it. So. I mean, this was 1936. This is pre-war. This is you know, that's this, a lot of sheet metal. This work. is not Art, Art Deco, Deco styling. This is fucking a build. This is a motorcycle that they built. And to me... Um, 36, I,
1: that's pre-Art Deco, isn't it? No, it's mm. it's
0: right up the barrel of Art Deco, right pre-war. Okay. Yeah, pre-war. And uh, and that does qualify <clears throat> as being in that category of rare fucking Fruit of the Gods bullshit. I'll never own one. It's never going to happen. That's not going to happen whatsoever. Now, that no, being said...
2: one of the viewers yeah. sends one in <clears> to
0: <throat> Right. So that's like yeah, out of right. control, un- unobtainable, unobtainable, but just fucking... I love looking at it. I love looking at it as art. If I had a half scale one hanging on my wall, I would consider that enough to just be like, oh, I have seen photographs and video of an actual one being ridden. And the riding position is obscenely wrong. The feet are higher than they need to be. The arms are lower than they need to be. Everything that worked out so beautiful in an artistic representation as a thing is totally impractical to ride like when you see somebody like riding it it you looks like it, uh, okay well hold on <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a the fucking a coconut I know but, it
1: just fell over at the end of my street <laughs> <I> just,
0: <laughs> just threw you off of it know, now just, however I
1: stopped it and it fell and
0: I will tell you that the bike that I still have boner fuel over is uh, the Ducati Paul Smart Replica the I Ducati you hated Ducati. I, I don't hate Ducatis. I never said I hated Ducatis. I said that I wanted the 1000 sports so fucking bad and then I got one and I mm. couldn't ride it for more than 20 minutes without no, a long needing time ago, surgery. wanted a
1: Ducati monster. She You're
0: had like, a Ducati monster. We had no Ducati monster in the house. And you were like, Arr. Well, because <clears> one, <throat> I was too big of a human being to ride it. and two, it <laughs> was a Ducati. it needed extremely expensive maintenance for little tiny problems. And it had a lot of little tiny problems, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you when I look at the when I look at the Ducati Paul Smart, when I look at the bike, it's the color, the silver and the yeah. aquamarine together. Yeah. Oh, I love the nice. fairing. The fairing. It's like this bike is the embodiment to me of Cafe Racer. This bike, this bike is the poster child yeah. of gorgeousness, and the motor's organic. And I'm, this is not the new one. This is the old one. This is what the replica was based on. You know. And to me, yeah, I'll never fucking own one of these things in my life, but God, it's sexy. It's so beautiful. Um, There's the Norvin. So that's a Vincent Motor stuffed in a Norton Norton. chassis. That's the Norvin. Oh, yeah. And Norvins, God, they're (laughs) gorgeous. (laughs) Fucking hell, this is going to be an onslaught. It's going to be a bombardment of unobtainable sexy bikes that I love to look at and dream about. Now we have to be realistic and say what can occur. And what can occur and might occur and has occurred is right there. And I'm going to pass that around because I do still think it is the sexiest motorcycle Italiano that I can wheels. own. And that is the Moto Guzzi Gritzo
5: oh. in, oh, yeah. in
0: the Tenny Green livery. The Tenny Green with the brown saddle.
1: That brown saddle. Really oh, Jesus Christ. I so, was gonna put this on my list, but there's I was like, gonna I, be. I, I, you I haven't read it. I mean, nah, I, I am just making. It no, you know. weren't. I, I haven't written it. So.
0: This is the question of like a phone call <laughs> on a Wednesday and a good trade, and this bike's gonna be sitting under my ass and it won't leave uh, because it's fucking sexy. It. It's a beautiful motorcycle. It looks good from mm. every fucking angle. I wouldn't dick it up. <clears throat> I think it just looks good the way it is. The I color schemes right. Up. It's just fucking good-looking. It's just a yeah. great-looking bike. You
1: offered me a ride on yeah. that, and I was and like, I'm telling no, because I don't want to ruin my
0: life. I ride every... Gri- I ride every gri- I would, gri- just, I would pine
1: over wanting to yeah. own that fucking
0: motorcycle. I ride greetsos every chance I get. A customer recently brought one to the shop. James has logged more saddle time on that bike since it showed up than anybody. Like, James can't stay off the fucking thing. Every time I come to the shop, I notice the dealer plate's back on it. You know? I'm like, I know that bike's not taking that many test rides. But James is head over heels in love with the fucking thing. And then the other one in the uh, honorable mention category is the bike that I've loved forever, and that's the GB500. And the GB500, Agreed. I've loved it from the first day I saw it. I've owned it for many, many years now. I still love it. I still look at it, and it just looks beautiful. I don't want a Vela Set Venom. I don't want the bike it's based on. I want the GB500. And as luck would have it, I fucking have one.
1: And it was featured in a video for Lincoln Electric. It
0: was featured in a video for Lincoln Electric, <laughs> exactly. And it's just a guy... With riding yeah, it. <laughs> with him riding, yeah. And it's just a beautiful bike. Phil and was it's,
1: driving the sidecar with the camera guy in it.
0: Yeah, it's practical in a hundred different ways. It's easy to get parts for and all that shit. But it's still looking at it, it's just fucking gorgeous. And I'm a little too big for it, I know, but I don't care. I still love riding it. And then the bike I fucking hate, and this took a fucking challenge, man. This was hard for me, because... I kind of hate a lot of bikes, and so the.
2: So you've got ten of
0: them. No, I've got two, and the first is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate the anything Chinese category because yeah, I fucking hate those, but those are on a mild a mild simmer. The bike that I fucking hate is a whole genre of bikes, and it's the bike that we joke and we call the forty thousand dollar ass jewelry. Oh, yeah. If it's a Borjett or whatever the fuck it is, Jesse James, West Coast Choppers, whatever. Bossos. Boss Hosses are in the category, too, but they're just in a weird other category. You know what? on
1: Chris's list.
0: <laughs> there aren't enough of those to hate, to properly fucking hate. Oh, and yes, usually, nah, nah, you no, know, no. What's that's, that
1: Sally fucking thing?
0: Sucker Punch Sallys, yeah. they fall in that category. Big Dog. Big Dogs, they all fall in that category. The Honda Fury 1800 falls in that category. Even big, beautiful companies have fucked up and made these things where the ass is low and chubby and wide and out in the back and then out in the front, for some no unknown, God-known reason, is the skeletonized, raked the fuck, raped the fuck, impractical, non-functioning assembly they call forks, which are like n- between six and nineteen feet long, <laughs> and you have to reach over your head to ride it, even when it has a straight bar on it, because you know apes are out of the question, because you'd have to stand behind yourself to ride it. <laughs> the Just guy standing
1: passenger pegs. Oh, the guy standing behind you can do
0: the steering, you know. Um, any of these motorcycles that run the giant, ridiculous lace wheel in the front and the, the concrete roller in the back and are <laughs> 11 and a half feet long, and we all know what they are. Every time I see them, I just like, eh. And like, I have to actively, you know, I say things as soon as I see them. I make judgments about the people riding them as soon as I see them. And when they come into the <laughs> shop, you know, I don't have to have a policy. The look on my face says it all as I walk up to the bike. You know? I just fucking hate them. I just hate everything about them. They've taken everything about motorcycles and disregarded it and turned it into this fucking Fruit Loop clown fucking parade float bullshit of like, let's just do this because fuck it, why not? You know? Let's just fucking keep making shit longer. And it's just fucked up. And like... Well, they Screw they got a TV
2: it. show to do
0: it though. They got several fucking T V shows. And that's the other thing is it's the bullshit like lab rat feeder bar of Americana where it's just like, hey, look, you know, fucking knuckle dragon assholes are into this shit. Let's be an outlaw can biker we, on the weekend.
3: Can we toss 30 inch front wheels on baggers into that oh, pile? Yeah, donks
0: and all that crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean Please that's just all, like, them it's, it's in the pile too. It's just every time <laughs> I see <laughs> them <spinners> I just spinners <laughs> for bikes. I just they do. <laughs> oh, that fuck, really shit, man. I just fucking hate it. I hate it on every level. And it's like overly ornate and completely impractical What's and wrong. What's your second one? Ah. 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 The second one is an actual, manufactured, practical, logical, reasonable motorcycle. And I realized t- only today that I hate this bike just <laughs> looking <laughs> at most? it. No. It triggers a reaction to me. It just triggers a reaction. But I'm passing a, it around. Uh, but it's a, a VMAX motor. <laughs> okay. It's a Yamaha Venture. <laughs> and here's why. One, it was a company that had no prior experience who saw a sales success in the Honda Goldwing going, we can do that. And they went, we can do that. Well, what do we have? Oh, we got a V4 motor. Okay. Okay. Let's take it and wrap it in fucking plastic in horrible angles. Let's disregard the idea of style at all and just keep laying rulers against rulers against rulers to make shapes that go around two wheels and loosely consider the people in the middle of it and let's put luggage on it. And... I they, have.
3: What do they call that kind of camouflage?
0: Uh, scatter camouflage. German weird geometric scatter <laughs> camouflage. There <laughs> is hated, like we painted Henry. <laughs> I looked at this bike and aside. that oh, no, no, was dazzle. That was that was dazzle camouflage. That was dazzle. Yeah. scatter. Okay. Uh, da- this is dazzle camouflage. Aside from the wheels and tires, objects which must be round, the there are no round things d- anywhere on the bike. They have completely avoided the use of round.
2: Das ist verboten.
0: Das is fucking square. <laughs> and like it's freaking Japanese and it's das just fonts. It's like <laughs> if this fucker could have square grips, it has square grips. If this thing like Squares. if like if Our every, German listeners
1: finally if laughed. if every
0: fucking <laughs> nut and bolt on the goddamn bike was square instead of hex head, I wouldn't be surprised. This bike is you're, ugly.
3: You're all twelve point.
0: Yeah. It's ugly. <laughs> It's <laughs> stupid. No, and stupid. if you... <laughs> oh, yeah. Fruit, yeah. Yeah, I say it right. And it's round peg, square hole bullshit, the whole design. And it just isn't... It's, it's the same reaction I have to people have bikes that... I have a motorcycle in my garage, and you can't tell when you look at my motorcycle whether or not it's a Harley-Davidson. Okay? <laughs> right? Okay. If, if that is the way that you describe your motorcycle, as it's Harley-compatible... Or Harley-ish, or if I've you got have my to giant
1: Batwing fuck off, fair. Yeah, whatever. So you
0: don't know. If you, you have know to, what's behind if that. you have to conceal the identity of your motorcycle to convince people it's something else, you don't like your motorcycle. And that was done because of a Honda Goldwing. And give Goldwing credit for a 1975 six seven eight nine creating a touring platform that hadn't been addressed correctly before. And giving people the ability to ride motorcycles long distance and take all their shit and their fat wives with them. Okay? Because Honda did that. They said, Japanese people, the rest of the world market, isn't fat enough to own this motorcycle. Let's make a motorcycle that's fat enough for America. They're spending money on our shit.
3: What would have till now taken a Winnebago? Right. We can now do with a
0: motorcycle. Right. Right. <laughs> and then Yamaha went, I want some of that market. And they did. And they went out and they grabbed some of the market with the Venture. And every time I see one of those bikes, whether it's gold and champagne, or whether it's Oldsmobile Burgundy and another shade of Burgundy, I hate it. I just hate it. When I look at it, I hate it. Yeah, and was, I they fucking hate them. And you know what? Every time I've ever met somebody who's riding one of them, They suck too. You hate hate them. No, I don't even hate them. I give them an opportunity and I realize they suck because like, like you can't even say that... It'd be one thing to say, well, you know, I bought the Yamaha Venture because it was $1,100 less than a Goldwing. That made sense in 1984 when you were making the decision between the Goldwing and the Venture. Sure, I guess that made sense. But you know what made no sense? You notice I don't hate the... Kawasaki 1300 or the Kawasaki Concourse. I don't hate those bikes. They had their own identity. Mm -hmm. They were what they were. They weren't aping something else. The Venture was just a fucking ripoff. The entire bike was a ripoff using shit they had laying around. And like those people that own them fall into that category of the people that are like, I've got a fully dressed out fucking Shadow or a fully dressed out V-Star, and I've spent just as much money at the end of the trail... That I could have bought the Harley Davidson,
3: <laughs>
0: and then at least been able to put the fucking HD logo on my shit that I'm emulating and but pretending I've to be anyway. The
3: emblems and have all the and accessories.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Fuck God. And that's why it's just like when I see the forty thousand dollar ass jewelry, or when I see a Yamaha Venture. They are not the same person. Venture people have no money.
2: But you hate them equally.
0: Oh God, I hate them equally. <laughs> oh God. You put me on an eight-hour plane flight next to one of those guys.
2: Or between oh. each. One on each side. One on
0: each side. And they happen to see through some method of knowing. And they're like, this guy's obviously into motorcycles. They see me reading a magazine or a book or looking at my phone. Let's
4: piss this and they
0: look in, And I'm sitting on an eight-hour flight next to a guy who goes, you like motorcycles? And I go, yes, I do. You really? Because I like motorcycles too. And you're like, great. Okay, cool. I hope to God this guy's cool. And then he goes, I got a venture. Fuck this. Seat change please. Sit me next to the crying baby.
5: Do you have a rope?
0: Do you have a very sketchy looking Arabic guy who may be carrying a bomb? I'd like to seat next to him. You know? if somebody underwear smell like C4? I'd like to sit next to that guy. Where's the door? Call me DB Cooper. Fuck this.
3: Ah! I'm out of here. Fuck that.
0: Good on the DB Cooper reference. I don't want to hear any of that shit, man. Like that's horrible. So there, there you go. That's it. That's the podcast. Oh, wind the, uh, we'll line this shit up. Um, hey, and. 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 Okay. Don't forget. We're not going to forget. We have the gentleman's ride coming up. The distinguished DGR, gentleman's the ride. Last
1: Sunday in September. Last Sunday in September. 27th of the right.
0: So in Cleveland, um, we are going to put in the show notes. And I noticed something weird about the DGR ride. And I'm probably about to make an enemy or two. I don't know if you noticed this, but all the people who are helping out running the DGR rides and whatnot, they're only putting the data about the ride, like where it's meeting, where it's leaving from, where it's going. They're only putting that data on the actual DGR website, which means you as a person have to go and register with the DGR to be able to see the details for rides in your city.
1: I did not notice that.
0: Yeah, well, did you huh. find the details for the ride anywhere uh, else? No, because
1: I haven't looked yet. Oh, right. Well, if I you usually did, don't look till the day before.
0: If you did try to look on Facebook <laughs> or somebody else's website, you find that finding the details about your local ride can be kind of difficult unless you're willing to go on the DGR website, sponsored by Triumph, and give them your information for well, marketing I can, purposes. I can, I can log so in, I in with I my last
1: year's
2: website.
0: That's right. Okay, now... Oh. No, no, no. The DGR website is not sponsored by Moto I found it on the
2: Cleveland Moto website.
0: That's right. We put a link on it. That's exactly right. Now, what we want you to do is we're going to put a little show note for the Cleveland people for the details for the Cleveland DGR ride. For people that I have had, some people talk to me and say they just don't feel comfortable giving all their contact information to what is obviously a marketing data mining situation. So we're going to put some information about the ride in Cleveland on the website so people will be able to see it. But the ride itself, we're going to tell you, in your city, please check with the people running your ride, any rules they might have about the ride. But we're going to remember the theory or the thrust of this is we're trying to raise money for prostate cancer research. Whether or not you choose to donate or whether or not you choose to try to get people to donate to you and sponsor your activity in this, or that's fine. And ride and or everyone, just show up and ride. Or just show up and ride. Let know that yeah. it's an event. It's an event.
5: Uh, on the bright side, though, if uh, it's Triumph's website yeah. and your computers are made by Lucas, all your data will be gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fine, British technology. Yeah. Uh, but Ooh. the whole idea is if you haven't caught on by now, you want to be dapper. You want to dress fine. You want to look cool. This is the DGR ride, man. This is Distinguished Gentleman's. Now... I'm going to tell you that the rules in Cleveland are as follows. We don't give a fuck what kind of motorcycle you ride. If you got some freaky shit, bring it out, man. We want to see it. This yeah, is if a you good old
1: vintage bikes definitely. Yeah, bikes this is the, the time, time to
0: bring them out, man. This is it. But if you don't, and maybe the only motorcycle you own is the aforementioned Venture. Or maybe the aforementioned V Star. Or the, maybe the non aforementioned shit, dude. Boss House, yeah, bring it out. Bring your boss house. Yeah. 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 400. Dude, yeah. Hey, man. I'll watch a train crash with the best of them, you know? Uh, or maybe you've got a Honda Rebel bring that shit out. Ride your bike, man. Bert, ride your bike. Or a this PC is...
5: 800 and I'll right. bring cash. He'll bring cash. <laughs> Steve will bring cash. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. The uh, Steve is always looking for the next future XPC800. The the biggest thing about the DGR, though, is it's designed to have a good time. It's got, designed to get people together. It's not an ego thing. We're not here to see how fast you can go. We're not here to see how much money you can spend. <laughs> You're not
1: going to go fast. And
0: you know what? Go. <laughs> you know what? This is a great time. This is a perfect time for you to get yourself down to your local thrift store and get some of that get some, some of that pop some tags pop some tags man uh, I bought a sport coat the other day at my local uh, Salvation Army thrift store that I spent eight dollars on and it has honest to God tweed with honest to God leather patches on the elbows well and uh, it only smells like a little bit of mothballs and uh this is a good time to get get how, yourself looking good. How does she fit. Is she
2: up to about like
0: that? Yeah, right. Yeah, because that is thrift store for the tall guys. Yeah, it's a hard fit at the thrift store for your tall dude. Uh, but this is definitely a good time to come out and ride your bikes. So remember, look up the distinguished gentleman riding your A. That's the closest thing to a plug we're going to get uh, for this show. We do want to wrap it up. Thank everyone for listening. We do. Uh, we have been passing around the reviews lately and the reviews are really great. You guys are leaving beautiful reviews for and us. And we are listening. We are. And we
1: have made adjustments.
0: Yes, we have. Exactly. So if you guys have any other the suggestions, audio
2: has been replaced. Well,
0: yeah, and if you guys have any other suggestions, wow. give them to us, man, because we want this to be the best possible podcast in this price range. So <laughs> <laughs> All right and on that guys remember please drive fast and take chances
1: 911 should we <sighs> sing the national anthem no man all right
3: no. <laughs>